Hello world, huh? The green jacket is going north of the border. Mike Weir has won the Masters. Oh, my goodness. seen anything like that the wait is over for canadian fans and the dream is now a reality for brooke henderson and corey connor's day indeed has arrived he's a winner on the pga tour a clutch up and down for mackenzie hughes oh my goodness time for the Golf Show with Brent Gunning and Sam McKee. Many doubted we'd ever see it, but here it is. The return to glory on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Just Brent Gunning today on the Golf Show here by myself, but actually we're going to call a little audible. I'm going to ask my uh, wonderful technical director, Derek Brendeo, to call my co-host Sam McKee right now because he is out playing Cabot. I don't know if it's Lynx. I don't know if it's Cliffs. It's one of the beautiful, beautiful courses in our country. Both of them top five, so hard to go wrong. Uh, we're going to check in with him in just a, a moment's time. See so, yeah, if we could uh, give him a call right now. I've been told the wind is in a perfect spot, and yeah, it's windy and it's blustery out there, so uh, we'll connect with Sam McKee, hopefully in just a minute here. Adam Stanley going to join us. He's actually at Whistling Straits. We're going to head to the Ryder Cup. Of course, we'll have a ton on that today. Then we're going to help you make a little money. Stephen Hennessy going to join us as well from Golf Digest, taking a look at some golf betting. But yeah, man, it's it's Ryder Cup week. It's basically my Super Bowl. I, I don't know if this makes me a bad golf guy. I love the Ryder Cup more than every major that is not the Masters. I can get excited for a U.S. Open. I will get excited for a U.S. Open. The Open Championship when it's overseas and it's early morning coffee golf. I love it. But the Ryder Cup is the second best event in golf. Now, it always holds a bit of a special place to me because, because uh, it's right around my birthday. We'll talk Ryder Cup in a moment. Right now, co-host of the golf show, joining us from, now is it the number one or the number five course in the country you're on this morning? Sam McKee. McKee, how's it going, wow. bud? It's not bad. I'll, I'm on the number two tee at the number five course in Canada at Cabot Links. Played the number one yesterday, so not a big deal. Just sitting here with my great friend Keegan Patterson, my old man, Andy. And uh, Keegan just birdied number one. So the boys are off to a hot, hot start. Um, it's just, uh, it's pretty special out here right now. So what's up with you? Loving the Ryder Cup? 59 watches on for Keegan. Uh, if anyone can do it, uh, he's going to channel his inner Bryson and blast it all over the place. And, uh, you know, Andy McKee, common texter on the show. So I feel like I'm, I'm right at home with that foursome, even though uh, I'm not there. Yeah, doing well, bud. I mean, look, you're, you're out playing wonderful golf in our wonderful country. I just wanted to check in with you. Like, how's the trip been? You've been, you've been said to be tons of videos of the people you're seeing on the course because you're staying right on the course. Like, just give us a little sales pitch on how wonderful it is out there. Wow. I don't know if I need to give you the sales pitch on Cabot, but it's pretty good out here. Like I, I, uh, I've just been blown away by everything since the second I walked in here. Played the night golf on the Thursday night, which was at their little par three course, the Nest here, which was very cool. Um, hard to see the ball, uh, but it was fun. It was very cool. Some very cool pictures because you know you're hitting into the lights. And then yesterday, spent some time around here, had some food, then went and played Cabot Cliffs, and it, we teed off around two thirty. And it was a little, uh, it was touch and go if we were going to get it in with the, with the light because it gets dark quick now. Mm. And we hit number 15, 16, 17, 18, which is the most special stretch of golf, I think, anywhere on planet Earth. And uh, it, the sun was just setting over. And it honestly was like heaven. Like, I, I forgot I was even playing golf. The golf seemed so uh, insignificant. 
to compared to what the scenery was. It was truly mind-bending. Had a lovely dinner last night. And I just got up this morning and I'm playing a golf at golf the links. The first hole here is amazing. I'm about to play a, about a 220 yard par three gunner, which you would love. Jerks, just jerks. You all sets you all along the right, which is just where you love it. Mm. So um, I would say that it's been an 11 out of 10, 15 out of 10, whatever number. It's just you're right. Like you know, I went to Cloder earlier this year. I played some golf out there, but playing out here, like it's just it's mind-blowingly nice it's just an incredible country we live in and i i love this part of the world guys i uh i've been having big time fomo but you tell me there's a five thousand yard par three with fescue all down the right and all of a sudden i'm like <laughs> you know what maybe that one i'm okay uh missing out on so what club are we pulling you know i'll let you go i don't want to keep you around going here but no, what okay. club are we pulling on this beastly beastly uh par three well keegan told me that there's like a gap in the middle of the green so I, it's like it's like a almost like a gully in the middle of the green so I'm thinking I want to land it a little short, and it's just under 220. So I might be hitting – I was thinking about maybe hitting a 7 or a 6 and running it up there a bit because it looks mm. like there's not much in front of the green. So maybe a little – you know, you got to play Lynx golf. When in Rome, right? you got to try to, got to, try to embrace it. Uh, I won't be hitting any 417-yard uh, drives like Bryson, but uh, I've been <laughs> loving watching the Ryder Cup out here. Um, not probably going to get a watch this morning, but this afternoon I'm looking forward to it. So, uh, yeah, Gunner, you sound great. Uh, I love you, bud. And uh, the group in front of us are now off the tee, so I hope I've given you enough time here. You don't have to feel oh. too much, but... Buddy, uh, just thrilled to get to c- catch up with you. Go enjoy your trip. Uh, hit him well and enjoy the day. I know you can do one of those hey, things eight, uh, at the very 85, least. 85 yesterday with two birdies. Not to brag, not a big deal. Uh, Sam McKee, get out of here. Go play golf with love your best you. friend and your family. Love you, bud. Love you, bud. Uh, Bye. There he goes, Sam McKee. Uh, I'll, uh, I have a feeling I'll be hearing from him if he birdies this par three coming up, and I won't be uh, if, if he doesn't. Uh, loved, loved, loved getting to check into him with him out there. Uh, I mean, it was really cool. He was talking about playing the par three, the nest course. They have it at night. And it's funny, in my head, when I picture night golf, I always think of the kind of glow balls that, we've, that you see, like I see it on Instagram, but they actually have the floodlights going, and I think that's obviously a way uh, truer kind of example of what the game uh, is like. So, yes, uh, great, great, great uh, to catch up with Sam McKee. And uh, one day I've got to get out there and play those uh, those beautiful, beautiful courses uh, out east and out west. Let's be honest, bad golf guy. Only played uh, in Ontario. As always, want to hear from you guys. Where are you teeing at this week? 590, 590. Uh, please include your name and location. Man, we're getting to that time. We are getting to that time. There is not a lot of golf left in the year. Now, I'm one of these guys who's going to hang on till the bitter end. I'm going to be sending the text when it's looking like seven degrees in the morning saying, we're still on, right, guys? But, uh, yeah, the uh, the more fair weather uh, of you golfers out there, uh, this season is definitely winding a cl- to a close. Although, let's be honest, like we're going to get we're going to get second summer or at least half summer. Like, you know, we're still going to have this stretch of 25 plus into October at some point in time, man, last year I was playing golf in a polo shirt and nothing over top of it in November and having a beer on the patio. And uh, yeah, if we could get that again, uh, that'd be very nice. Although maybe that's not the best thing uh, for the planet, but Hey, uh, if I can play golf in November, I'm not going to complain. I'm not going to complain about the Ryder cup, despite it being an absolute beat down, on day one, it's so funny how quickly you can go from Steve Stricker, American Ryder Cup captain. This is the hardest job in sports. How can he take all of these alphas and corral them in one room? How can he keep them all together? What can he do? And then he just throws out 
four amazing or sorry, eight amazing teams on day one. You get six of eight possible points. There are eight points up for grabs today. They only need eight and a half to win the Ryder Cup. That's how good the day was for the Americans. And honestly, I'm sitting here thinking outside of getting way, way, way too cute and pairing Brooks and Bryson together or something like that. Is there such a thing as a bad American pair right now? I mean, we'll we'll look at the groups that he that 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 uh, Steve Stricker threw out this morning. Kepka and Berger getting it started off. They won their match yesterday. Uh, they were college teammates. So they know each other well. Okay, nothing wrong there. DJ Morikawa. Yep, we saw how that went. That went very very well. So they're back out in the second match against Casey and Hatton today. Uh, the Amer- the European starting with Rom and and Sergio in the first match. I'll I'll dive into them in just a second. Then it's Spieth and Thomas in the third match of the day. That's uh, getting going at a little after eight thirty. They were a great team. They just ran into a buzzsaw in, in Robin Garcia. That team was not going to lose in the opening session yesterday. And uh, Spieth and Thomas, I mean, Spieth hit one of the most incredible shots of the day yesterday. And then you close it out in the anchor match of the morning session with Shoffley and Cantley. Again, a team that was just rock solid in the afternoon session yesterday. You know, I mentioned the, I mentioned the shot that Spieth hit, the one where it was a, I don't know, 100-foot high flop shot, and then he almost ends up running into Lake Michigan. Any day, any pretty much any other day on the golf calendar this year, that would have been the best shot I saw all day. But then there were the two Bryson drives. There was the one on 13 and the one on six. I mean, the one on six, everyone saw the kind of overhead picture of Scheffler playing the hole the way it's designed to be, and Bryson just bombs it dead over a lake, dead over a ocean of bunkers uh, past the lake, 417 yards. It's just this is always the thing that was promised with him, and you can see it. And, I mean – this is just such a perfect event because the bad hole just counts as one bad hole for him. It just feels like, again, outside of going Bryson and Brooksy, I just don't know that there's a bad pairing you could throw out for the Americans right now. For the Europeans, man, <laughs> Padraig's going to have to be perfect. And that's got to start today. I don't think anyone is remotely surprised to see Ram and Garcia go out in that first match. You needed to win. You needed not only a win, but you needed a big lead. You need to get some blue on the board early, all that stuff. So I have no, no problem with Ramin Garcia. In fact, I have the opposite of a problem. I think it is the exact right play that, that Padraig made there. Then you go Casey and Hatton in the second pair. You know, Paul Casey, I totally understand the idea of pairing him up with Tyrrell Hatton. You know, these guys are basically the yin and yang. Casey is super calm, composed. There's that famous video from a few years ago at the Tour Championship when his caddy just gives him the completely wrong yardage and he just calmly deals with it. And you can imagine how that would go if it was Tyrrell Hatton getting the wrong yardage uh, from his caddy. So I like the idea of them getting paired together in terms of the kind of emotional matchup there. And, you know, both guys play pretty decent golf. Now, I didn't mind the idea of Rory getting paired up with Hatton, but they end up sitting Rory. So I can, I can see why you pair uh, Hatton elsewhere. Uh, then they go Hovland and Bernd Wiesberger in the third match. This is where I would have put Rory. I understand the Europeans saying, Rory, take a beat. You're tired or just emotionally spent after a really tough day of going 0 for 2. He's never sat a session in the Ryder Cup before, so this is all new to him. That's the guy I would have paired him up with, Hovland. 
Rory is at his best when he's got some pep in his step. They tried to get it going with Poulter, but here's the problem. Ian Poulter's not that good at golf anymore. So you try to pair him up with the squash buckler, but it's an alternate shot, and Rory's got to recover from Poulter's mistakes. And Rory wasn't good yesterday either, so he was putting Poulter in bad spots too. That's the guy I would have paired Rory up with. Hovland. You put him in the Wiesberger spot. They're in the third match of the day. Thomas is a guy who gets fiery as well. You get Rory back feeling in that mix. You know, Thomas loves to cup his ears. He loves his fist pumps. What was one of Rory's best moments at a Ryder Cup? The best 12-hole match ever with, with Patrick Reed before they both ran out of steam and got sleepy because they, they completely emotionally spent themselves the first 12 holes of that. That's where I would have gone. And then the Europeans close it out with Westwood and, and Fitzpatrick. I, I can't get particularly upset at that pairing either. Vet, rookie, or at least young, young Ryder Cupper in, in Fitzpatrick. Westwood's played in a million of these things. I totally get it. You can't throw out all your guys in every session. You're going to have to find a way to make it work. But I think that's the biggest kind of takeaway from me for the first couple days of it, or, or the first day of this, is the degree of difficulty that Steve Stricker has versus Padraig Harrington. Podrick has to be perfect. And I mean, of course, it's that way now that his team is down 6-2 heading into the second day. Again, there are eight points up for grabs today. The Americans need eight and a half to win the Ryder Cup. So the urgency is definitely on. Of course, of course, of course, Podrick Harrington's job is going to be harder now. But there's just no margin for error based on the players he has on his team. You feel great about, let's just run through the roster. You feel great about throwing Rom out there feel great about Sergio the way he played Paul Casey solid Tyrrell Hatton volatile but that's what a guy you can work with in a in a competition like this Hovland looks like a guy you were wondering how many of these guys are going to be there for Europe Hovland's one of these guys he's going to be a a fulcrum in this and you know the other guy I'm a little surprised we didn't see this morning again I know you're not going to run him out there five times although they did at the last Ryder Cup and he was perfect Tommy Fleetwood he had a real up and down day, made some huge, huge shots when, when Europe needed him too late, but he also really, really struggled missing some five footers. And that's just something that can kind of worm its way into your brain in an event like this. And boy, oh boy, you, uh, you, you gotta be careful. Uh, a lot of the Ryder cup today. I'm going to continue that with Adam Stanley, but I just wanted to give a quick little shout out to, uh, to golf Canada. You know, I've been I've been pubbing them a lot. We had Kevin Blue on the show, I think, a couple of weeks ago, the chief sport officer for for the organization. Um, they they had me out for a uh, media day with the All Abilities Championship that was contested at Humber Valley. This is uh, one of the first events of its kind in Canada that uh, creates a competition space for athletes with all types of different uh, abilities. You know, I was lucky enough to be paired up with an athlete with cerebral palsy and. You know, look, we we all have challenges in in our life, but people like that, it, it's amazing the the confidence, the way they're able to go through life, and it was really just eye opening to me to see that and and get to watch them compete, and quite frankly, get the brakes beaten off of me uh, by by plenty of these athletes out there. You know, I was lucky enough to tee it up with a with a guy, Kenny. He he was great. 
Uh, he He's an assistant pro at uh, one of the courses in, in Ontario here. And, you know, I do just want to give a shout out to the folks at Golf Canada for putting on the All Abilities Championship. Uh, they had that over the past two days. Again, Humber Valley, uh, it's, of course, near and dear to my heart. It's in the city of Toronto. It's where I first learned uh, to tee it up. So I do want to give a uh, quick shout out to the two stroke play champions. That's Curtis Barkley and Natasha Stasiuk. Uh, I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Uh, big, big, big congrats to both of those. And then also as well, uh, Canada had the uh, Canadian Men's Senior Championship. So a uh, big, big shout out to uh, Darren Ritchie for taking that home uh, this week as well. Uh, look, there's a lot of high level golf in the world and we're going to talk about it as I watch Daniel Berger uh, make a putt with his hood on right now because it's super cold at the Ryder Cup. There's a lot of high level golf in the world and these are some of the people who are also playing it. So again, shout out to Darren Ritchie, uh, Canadian Men's Senior Champion, and then a big, big shout out to uh, Curtis Barkley and Natasha Stasiuk, who were the uh, inaugural champions of the uh, stroke play event at the Canadian All Abilities Championship. Great, great job to the folks by Golf Canada at uh, putting that on. And again, I, I would encourage you all, look, if you're fans of golf in this country, I know COVID's been kind of weird, so the spectator rules have been weird. We're going to have amateur championships. We're going to do all that stuff again. And uh, if you're able to, uh, you should go out and watch because, man, uh, these people can stripe it. They, uh, they certainly, certainly can. Speaking of striping it, that's exactly what's going on at the Ryder Cup right now. Can Europe come back? What's going on with Rory? Why, why does he have a hat on? Adam Stanley will answer all these questions and more. We go live to Whistling Straits next on the Golf Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Sportsnet 590, the fan. Golf show, Brent Gunning, no Sam McKee today. He's playing hooky. You already heard from him, though. I guess he's not playing hooky if he showed up on his own show to talk to us while he's waiting on a tee box at Cabot Lynx. Uh, joining us now from an equally nice golf course. I think that's fair to say. Equally nice. Uh, live from Whistling Straits at the Ryder Cup. My buddy, your friend, Adam Stanley. Stanley, how's it going, bud? It's going, uh, it's going great. It's a little brisk this morning, but uh, it's a heck of a morning here at Whistling Straits for sure. Oh, I just saw Daniel Berger uh, pour in a hat or a putt while he was wearing his hoodie and not like he had a hoodie on. Like it was up over his head. So, yes, uh, it's definitely cold out there. You know, I thought, look, uh, you know, they, you never know how media is going to be treated. Clearly, you guys are right at home. They know you are the arbiter of all things vest season. And I saw the media had to be wearing special vests. So you must be feeling right at home, Stanley. I feel I feel fabulous. This is this vest is more like a um, like a gym class penny sort of situation than an actually you know fitted nice piece of clothing. Which uh, it's been too cold to wear like a nice vest up to this point. So we'll have to maybe rock it out tomorrow on Sunday because I too am wearing a hoodie. It's uh, it's quite the morning here. I'm just I'm literally looking at the first tee build out right now. I was just up there. Uh, I, you can maybe hear it in the background. Hear it. I just walked walk down the stairs. So. The, uh, the buzz is strong this morning. The the uh, the chants are, are pretty creative. Michael Jordan was out here with a coffee and a cigar at uh, five minutes to seven this morning, which was uh, aspirational. And uh, yeah, no, it's been a, it's been a neat morning so far. Oh, that sounds like I mean, like as good as it is for Michael Jordan to start his morning with a coffee and a cigar. Whoever's hanging out with him, that's the best morning ever. <laughs> having a coffee and a cigar and hanging out uh, with with Michael Jordan. You know, uh, we should probably talk about the golf a little. Our man. A tough day for him yesterday. He sat in the morning session. He's wearing a hat. What's what's going on with our man Rory? Uh, do you, does it make sense to you to sit him for the morning session, give him some time to get right? I, I would have thrown him right back out there. 
Yeah, listen. I mean, he played he played poor golf yesterday, and that's kind of putting it putting it lightly. But mm-hmm. the thing is, he just went up against two incredible, incredible teams. I mean, they lost five and three and four and three yesterday, but uh, no one was beating Tony Finau yesterday. That dude was rolling it. And then uh, in the morning, uh, it, him and Poulter went up against Xander Shoffley and Patrick Cantlay, who, uh, who were looking like an unbeatable squad as well. So a uh, tough combination between Rory playing playing tough golf and, and then also uh, being up against some, some really, really strong teams. Funny enough, uh, I don't know if you saw my tweet, but literally the first person on the tee box here was Patrick Harrington. The crowd chanted him. The pro-American crowd chanted him. We want Rory. And it went on for a good 10 seconds. Uh, I don't know if he smirked or, or what ended up happening, but uh, kind of a unique thing that this pro-American crowd was all chanting, we want Rory. So I don't know. His first time ever sitting uh, a session at the Ryder Cup. I, I'm leaning towards what you just said. Uh, I, I would have probably thrown him back out there because you know that that guy's got he's got a vibe. He's got uh, you know the attitude, the electricity that maybe can carry uh, the European team to a couple of points this morning. But uh, maybe he's just going to try to save him and, and hopefully uh, win some points in the back end instead. Yeah, it always it always kind of made sense to me to especially just the way yesterday went. To kind of, because I'm looking at the first two pairings: Rom, Sergio. Yep, of course, that was great. Don't mess with that. Casey Hatton. I totally understand that. The hothead, the mild manner guy. Okay, got it. English. Yep. I would have paired him with Hovland in the Burn Viesberger spot. Like it feels like Rory is that guy who feeds off emotion. And you know, I know they don't know what the Americans are going to do, but it's Hovland and Rory in a match against Thomas and Spieth. And yes, that could easily go the exact opposite way, where that American team is running away with it. But it felt like that was just a great spot for him with a guy like Hovland. So Rory doesn't have to kind of carry the team. He can just kind of almost ride Hovland until he gets himself right. Yeah. You know, it's a, it's a good point because I think that, uh, you know, Weisberger of course is a, is a rookie and maybe Patrick Harrington is just trying to burn him before uh, we get kind of into the, into the home stretch this afternoon. So it was, it was a unique choice for me. Maybe it was one of those things where it was just like, listen, 36 holes on this golf course, like, it's, I, I walked the whole thing on, on Thursday, and, like, it's nine kilometers from T1 to 18 green. Like, it's up and down. It's a long, long golf course. It was really, really windy yesterday. Um, so, you know what? For somebody who was just taken down like Rory, you know, he's going to be tired. He's going to be mentally tired. He's probably going to be, you know, just not feeling himself. So why not get himself right? Uh, come back this afternoon and, and, and try to win a point. But I don't disagree. I, I think that if, if Rory wanted to go out this morning or if maybe Rory had, had maybe lost on 18 or something, he would have been feeling like in a better mood to kind of come out and, and take on uh, an American team this morning. But alas, he, he's not here. And the crowd, the crowd missed him. They wanted to see Rory. Yeah, e- either way, whenever he emerges uh, onto that first tee, I guess this afternoon, no hat. Please, please, please. Yeah, no hat. Uh, the hat's got to no go. hat. Yeah, exactly. John Rahm, you know, I know I know this story of the first day is the Americans, but I don't know that a guy was just more impressive to me. He just, I mean, he is the number one player in the world. He won a major this year. But some sometimes guys just get that look about them. DJ had it for a while when he had the number one. Of course, Tiger was the king of it. And John Rahm just feels like that guy right now. Like, it feels like he's never going to lose a golf tournament. He's never going to lose a hole. He's never going to lose a match. Like, it's incredible incredible how good that guy looks on TV right now. Yeah, I mean, he probably had some serious physio treatment yesterday because he's carrying this entire European team on his back. Like, it's just, you know, when you look at the, the top ten players in the world, 
right now. Numbers two through 10 are American and they're all here. They're all playing this week. Number one is John Rahm. So, you know, on paper, on the golf course, um, fiery emotion, even though, you know, the, the team is chock full of veterans in, in Poulter, Sergio Garcia, um, you know, Lee, Lee Westwood, these guys who have been around for a while. Uh, John Rahm is, is the best player in the world for a reason. He's now a major winner, like you said. Um, he played very, very good golf yesterday. The lone bright spot for the European team. And I think if he, if him and Sergio don't get a point out of their first match this morning, it's going to be a long day for the European side. But you're right, the European side's going to have to ride John Rahm. John Rahm's up to the task, and, and I think he's going to be a stalwart and, a, and just a fiery competitor in these Ryder Cups from now until, you know, 15, 20 years from now. Yeah, you, you can just see it. And, yeah, it's going to be – he's going to be one of these tentpole guys for, for sure. Um, easy to pick the most impressive European, much harder to do so with the Americans. Like, who was the guy that you found yourself just being kind of wowed by yesterday? Because, I mean, you mentioned Finau. He was incredible. But, I mean, so many guys had good days. And we haven't even mentioned the, the very large golfer yet. <laughs> no, we have not. I, I wrote my story today for the Toronto Star. I thought DJ was the MVP for the American side yesterday. 2-0 and with two separate partners, uh, both rookies. And, uh, you know, he kind of went out there and, and just did his thing. And I think he had said earlier in the week that he likes being paired with steady guys so then he can go out and freewheel it. And he was paired with Colin Morikawa and Xander Shockley, who are two of the most steady guys in professional golf. So, a freewheeling Dustin Johnson is a scary Dustin Johnson, especially on a golf course like this, whistling straight. Two top ten finishes for DJ in the two uh, most recent PGA championships that have been hosted here. Uh, and he's back out this morning again with Colin Morikawa, uh, which seems just like a, a really, really good team. They're both, uh, you know, tailor-made athletes. So we kind of think, oh, my God, okay, fine. They play the same ball, blah, 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 blah. But playing the same ball, playing the same equipment means that you're on uh, shoots together and you do media together. You you become pretty close, and, and I think that they uh, have formed a pretty unique friendship. DJ is 37, Morikawa is 24. Uh, but to me, the MVP of the American side was DJ uh, with, with a close second to Xander Shockley, who also went 2-0. Um, you know, those, those guys just played really, really good golf with two different partners, both of them, uh, and, and it was a good day for the American side, certainly. And as you say that, he puts his second shot to about a foot and a half uh, because, yes, he is extremely, extremely uh, good, at, good at golf. All right, uh, quick two more for you before we let you go because yep. I know, you, uh, you know you're a little busy. Uh, we should talk about Bryson. That, those two drives you hit yesterday are some of the most absurd shots I've ever seen in my life. This always felt to me like the event that was going to kind of reset things for him. He'll still have his moments. He will still step in it. But it feels like him being this guy at the Ryder Cup has allowed people to kind of embrace him. And it just has kind of calmed all of that stuff around uh, him. Yeah, it's a unique setting. It's a unique arena. He is allowed to be him. Not that he couldn't you know, be who he wanted to be week in and week out on the PGA Tour. But, you know, this, this is a an exhibition for lack of a better descriptor this is a team it's a team competition sure uh, but it's not like what we usually get to see on the pga tour and the showmanship and the uh, extra layers of bryson being bryson is okay this week like i was walking uh out to go try to find him uh yesterday and they had this massive screen uh, about three holes ahead of where he actually was and when he pulled out driver the crowd who was just watching the screen went totally nuts so it's, it's just like, yes, please do what you want to do in this setting and everyone's going to love you, but do what you want to do week in and week out on the PGA Tour. It's, you know, it's something different. So I, I think this kind of week will go a long way in people just saying, you know, hey, Bryson DeChambeau 
is a unique character in the game. We've embraced him at the Ryder Cup because he is unique, and, and who knows, maybe that'll uh, trundle into uh, to regular weeks on the PGA Tour as well. But you are absolutely correct. Those two drives that this dude hit yesterday were, were unbelievable. <laughs> Well, and again, it, come, it all goes back to the headgear. Wearing a normal hat this week. Rory, no hat. Rory's wearing a hat. He's not performing well. Bryson's wearing a regular hat. People are liking him. All right, last one, and then you can go Patrick do Patrick Cantlay. Patrick Cantlay, mm. no hat. He, he went 1-0-1 yesterday, so there's something to be said about the headgear. He looked like Rory out there. I know, I know. Good Rory. Uh, all right, eight points up for grabs today. The States only need eight and a half to win this thing. Like, how good of a day does Europe have to really have a chance in this? Like, they're not going to go 6-2 and two today like the Americans did yesterday. But what do you think is a kind of best-case best scenario for, for Europe today to make Sunday singles uh, interesting? I mean, as we've seen the last couple, uh, couple times that uh, a Sunday comeback has happened, you know, that 10-6 arena, if we can find ourselves in a 10-6 score, uh, USA versus Europe, I think Europe's got to believe that they've got a chance because it's happened recently it, it's happened before and and i think that that's just something where they can kind of get out of each other's way and say we are going to play our golf and try to take down these guys so europe's definitely going to have to make a move this morning to be quite frank i, I think this is a another three to one session in favor of the americans at least uh, on paper when i saw these pairings come out so uh they've got work to do uh they know what they have to do though so that may be beneficial for them to say listen we're in we're in the hole um, we're down. We've got to play good golf. We're up against a good team who's also playing good golf. Let's just go out, put the pedal down, try to make as many birdies as possible, and, and, uh, and scrape away at this lead because it's a, it's a big lead. Uh, it's up against a team that's not going to back down, and, and they've got, like I said, work to do. So uh, if they can get to 10-6, though, I think someone's going to have a feeling someone might have a chance, and, and we'll have to see how Sunday singles shake out. A lot of points still available on Sunday. Oh, Sunday singles. Oh, I can't wait. I should enjoy the golf that's <laughs> happening today, but I'm already looking ahead to Sunday singles. Stanley, thanks so much, bud. Uh, have a blast covering it, and uh, we're enjoying all your stuff. No worries, man. We'll see you again soon. Thanks. There he goes, Adam Stanley. Uh, we've been we've been circling each other, trying to get a golf game together, and that, that unfortunately looks like it's not going to happen, but love, love, love getting to hear from him there. Of course, uh, next round's on me, Score Golf Podcast, the Adam and Amy show uh, as well. Adam Stanley's a busy man, and you can read him in the Toronto Star, uh, great wrap-up on uh, the first day there. I did want to mention or pick up on the Bryson thing we, we had talked about there. This always felt, I was banging the drum on this, that this was going to be the event. It, it's not going to end it. It's not, okay? Like, we're going to have a long winter, and the, you know, the Tournament of Champions is going to come up, and he'll probably be there, and, you know, he'll probably say some stuff, but it won't really matter. Then the Masters is going to roll up, and he's going to get asked about his par 67 quote, and he's going to put his foot in his mouth a few more times. But this has kind of removed it from a simmering boil with Bryson DeChambeau to just a little, the water's warm. It's more like a jacuzzi tub than it is a, uh, a, a pot boiling. Like, you've just got a guy who has so often found himself in the middle of it, and now you have an event where people want you. To be in the middle of it. They want you puffing your chest out. They want to chant USA at Bryson DeChambeau. And this always felt to me like it was going to be the thing that allowed him to move on from the Kepka thing. And it's funny. I, I wanted them paired together more than I wanted anything in this world. But clearly, uh, Steve Stricker has had better and uh, more correct plans. A uh, little surprise. Bryson is uh, sitting the morning session here. Although, I guess not because... 
when you play golf the way he does, that expends an awful, awful lot of energy. He also sat the foursomes yesterday. You know, not lost on me. Those are both of the alternate shot formats. I, uh, I was talking to Luke Curdenin of the golf of, uh, of golf golf.com yesterday. And he made the point that as much as we think of Bryson as a perfect four ball player, because he can just go play his own ball, put him with someone steady. who's going to make a bundle of pars. Do you, if you put Bryson with a great scrambler, be it a Jordan Spieth, be it a, you know, even a guy like Daniel Berger, he can get a little scrambly. Then that allows you to just, you know, if you're a guy like Spieth and you're bonking your drive, you're bonking your drive sometimes. Imagine it's 40 yards up ahead of where you're normally having to play from. So a little surprise, Bryson sits the morning session, although when the day went the way it did for the Americans yesterday, you're not going to mess with too much, and they didn't. Uh, it's the same exact teams that were out there in the in those morning sessions. I guess the the slight change, Cantley Shoffley. Uh, no, Cantley Shoffley again. So, yeah, they just stuck with the exact plan. Wouldn't be surprised if we saw the exact same groups out in the afternoon that we saw yesterday afternoon. As for the Europeans, it is going to be completely riding the hot hand. Uh, Stanley mentioned the walk that this golf course is. It is a trek. So, I mean, I don't know how much that should really matter. Maybe that's why you don't want guys playing all five sessions. No Fleetwood this morning. No Rory this morning for the Europeans. And those are guys they need to be good. You know, Rory has is, Rory is struggled. There's no doubt about it. Rory has struggled, and you need... You're going to need him. So I understand sitting him, letting him get himself right. But on the other hand, you throw him out there with Hovland and all of a sudden Rory's puffing his chest out and saying, I can't hear you. It's a very, very different European team. And yeah, I think I think Stanley's right. I think Europe is probably going to have to get six, seven points today. It is a tall, tall order and so far not so good. Uh, John Rom, Sergio Garcia, the the danger team for Europe. Uh, they're down through two to Brooks Kepka and Daniel Berger, Dustin Johnson and Colin Morikawa. They're one up on Paul Casey and Tyrrell Hatton. Uh, Victor Hobland, Bernd Wiesberger, just about to get started. And then as we're wrapping up the show today, Lee Westwood and Matt Fitzpatrick uh, will be out in the final match. That's against Andrew Shoffley and Patrick Cantlay. Uh, as as Stanley mentioned, you know, if you're just going on paper. The only match you think, oh, Europe should win this or has a really good chance to win is that first one. And they're already down two through the first uh, two holes. But, hey, a lot of golf left. And if anybody can make a comeback, something tells me it's John Rahm and Ryder Cup Sergio Garcia. Regular PGA Tour Sergio Garcia? Not so much. Ryder Cup Sergio? Absolutely. Maybe he'll pick up some of that postman magic that Ian Poulter uh, seems, seems to have lost. How much should we think about Ryder Cup magic when we're looking at placing some wagers? How much should we look at this week's form, past course form, Ryder Cup feels, vibes? And how much do we just look at past Ryder Cup performance in general? Stephen Hennessy going to join us, help you make some Ryder Cup bets, mostly looking ahead to this afternoon, and then we're going to talk some Sunday singles. I'm going to ask him what matchup he's dynasty because I got a couple that I would love, love, love to set up if I could just have it my way. And I'll give you one little change I would like to see made to the Ryder Cup. It's basically perfect, so I shouldn't change much about it. But there's one, one little tweak I would like to make. I'll tell you what that is. And also, want to hear from you on the text line, 590-590. Please include your name and location. This is the Golf Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. Sportsnet 590, the fan.
golf show. Brent Gunning playing as a single. No, no, not Sunday singles. That's tomorrow. Tomorrow we're going to have Sunday singles. How much of it will matter? Eh, hopefully more than it's looking like uh, right now. Uh, the route is on for the Americans up 6-2 after the first day. They're up in uh, para matches on the go. One of them's tied, and uh, I'm not liking their chances in the last match of the day. So, so far, not so good if you're either a fan of Europe or just close Ryder Cups. Uh, we, we need a big day from the Europeans to keep this thing interesting. I'm going to be watching no matter what, but I, I need a big day from Europe to make this uh, just a little more compelling. Joining us now to uh, talk about another way to make all things more compelling, and that's by gambling on them. Stephen Hennessy, uh, Deputy Managing Editor for Golf Digest, joining us now. Stephen, how are you doing today? Brent, doing great. Uh, thanks for having me. I, I kind of wish this was a closer Ryder Cup, as you just mentioned. It would be a little more interesting if, if you're someone who bet on the U.S., though. That's probably not what you're thinking. You, you care about the money. so. Um, but there, there's a lot of golf to be played. So. Let's let's just talk about, you, you know, you, you as an American. You know, you guys love to puff your chest out and yell USA. But, I mean, we also like close, compelling golf. Like, you could do – how would you feel about, you know, a Europe charging back today? They're not going to go 6-2 and two like the States did yesterday. But, I mean, even a, uh, you know, a 5-3 and three day or something like that. Like, would you, would you be willing to trade, uh, you know, the American beatdown for a close Sunday singles, I guess is my question. Um, I would say most American golf fans probably would say no. You know, I'm <laughs> I'm a journalist first and foremost, so course, I'm not rooting one one way or another. Um, back in you know my pre-journalist days, I might feel differently. I, I would say most Americans, as you see at Whistling Straits, you know they they want Team USA to win every point possible. So um, they probably don't care if it's close tomorrow. But you know, as a you know, an impartial fan, you want it to be close going into Sunday singles, at, at least Team Europe within, you know, four points. We, you know, we've seen that sort of come back before at Medina. They came back from four points in 2012. Brookline um, Team USA came back from four points. So, um, you know, there's a lot of golf to be played. If Europe could possibly just get to Sunday within four points, they definitely have a shot. However, you say that, and then you think about the roster that the Americans have compared to the Europeans, and, you know, do you really see the Europeans winning four points after what we saw um, yesterday? I'm not so sure about that. I was one who bet on Team Europe before yesterday uh, just because I thought the value was there, but um, kind of reconsidering that, and I think my, my point wasn't a great one. I was all over Europe heading into this, and it was just, yeah. oh, these guys are going to be at each other's throats, and Brooks is going to punch Bryson in the team room, and Steve Stricker's <laughs> going to be, there's going to be a mutiny on his hands. I was all over Europe, and yeah, I was uh, very, very wrong. You know, I was looking at, uh, I was looking at the, uh, the, the kind of cheat sheet you sent out ahead of today. You know, one, one name that you threw on there, a lot of interesting odds, but Xander Shoffley to win five points. The fact that that's only plus 500, I think, kind of tells us everything we need to know about that guy's game right now and the state of this Ryder Cup. Like, if you're telling me to to win five points, okay, it's five points, but it also means have a perfect Ryder Cup, and it's only plus 500. That number kind of shocked me. Yes, that that is shocking. I think before the Ryder Cup started, that number would have been somewhere in the 33-1, to 40-1 range. So, Ozmakers are scared of that. Uh, Dustin Johnson also has the potential to 
win five points. Um, I expect him to sit uh, in the afternoon because, you know, the guy's 37 years old and, um, you know, he, he's got to be well-rested for tomorrow, just kind of like Rory McIlroy sitting today. But, yeah, I mean, Xander and Cantlay looked so good uh, in the first session yesterday, and, you know, they're heavy favorites today. So that's that's a pretty possible outcome, Xander Schauffele. In his first Ryder Cup, getting five points for the Americans obviously depends who he faces in Sunday singles. But, um, you know, I, I think that's a decent bet going into today. It's probably still up there uh, since he hasn't teed off yet, if people are interested in that. Jump on it. Jump on it right now. I mean, you say right. it matters who he plays. Like, does it? As long as it's not John Rahm, yeah. like, does does it really matter? That's a, good, that's a good point. I don't think so. You know, Rory maybe, um, you know, in a singles match, uh, I don't know what those odds would be. Xander might even be a favorite at this point, which is crazy to say. But you're right. I don't. I don't think it matters too much. So when you're when you're kind of looking at stuff and like, there's going to be some odds that'll come out for the matches this afternoon. But let's just kind of you know uh, picture ahead to Sunday singles. How much are you? You know, it's always the question in golf gambling, right? Recent form, horses for courses, just a kind of feel on a guy that week. You know, how much do you take the hyper-local form of, of this week? Because, hey, guys have had bad rounds of golf on a Friday and bounce back on a Saturday with a, you know, a, a round that's 10 shots better. That can easily happen. That can easily happen here. But it just feels like at the Ryder Cup, once a guy's wheels get spinning, I feel like they never get it back. Like, how much, how differently are you looking at kind of this week's form as opposed to when you're just looking at a tournament heading into it and saying, oh, this guy's had a good couple of weeks or, or looking at, at kind of recent form? Like, how do you weigh that differently, if at all, in the Ryder Cup? Yeah, great question. And I think even before the week started, you know, you and I looked at this in a similar vein, like Team Europe, you know, even though on paper they're not as talented, you know, there's that intangible thing of, you know, chemistry and experience that, you know, kind of gives them a leg up maybe on the Americans so far we're wrong about that. But I think that kind of translates to what you're, what you're asking is, you know, throw out the stats a little bit at the Ryder Cup. This is truly a different beast. The momentum is huge. I think, you know, you, you can't put a number on momentum, but um, you could look at how guys have played and, you know, guys like Paul Casey, um, who on paper were one of Team Europe's strongest players. He looked pretty bad yesterday. He's already down to uh, with Terrell Hatton here in the morning. So, you know, he might be someone who the odds makers don't totally adjust to playing poorly tomorrow, and maybe you could gain some value if he plays someone like Xander Schauffele, who, uh, you know, that might be a toss-up. Um, normally, but, you know, given Xander how well he's been playing this week, you know, maybe there's a little value there. Um, so, yeah, I think to answer your question, I, I think this is a totally different week. Uh, we don't have too many stats on how players play at Whistling Straits, too. That's another thing. Now we, we have a little um, – we have some examples of how these guys really like this course. You know, we haven't seen it since 2015 at the PGA Championship, so that was another factor. So, I think all that being said, there's a, a big opportunity in Sunday singles to, you know, use the eye test a little bit. That's something in golf gambling that you can't always apply, um, you know, in a sharp matter is, you know, just watching the golf and seeing uh, how players are, are playing that particular league, that particular week and at a given course. I think for the casual better, I think Sunday singles provides a big opportunity for that. So I'd, personally can't wait uh, to see what the matchups are um, 
throw a couple parlays out there, maybe even. I know that's usually not the sharp play, but, you know, it's it's the Ryder Cup. It's our Super Bowl in golf. So, um, you know, we're, we're going to go heavy on it for sure. What what better way to prepare yourself for a betting NFL Sunday than to parlay a bunch of singles matches together and, and swearing at Burnt Feastburger for not coming through or or potentially coming through? Uh, it is uh, it's magical. All right. Not a not a gambling question, but I can tell you love you love the game and you love this tournament. I want to throw my my theory. Now, the Ryder Cup is is borderline perfect, but I think there's one way. It could get better. You know, I was reading this story this week about how when Anthony Kim played in the Ryder Cup the whole week, he was pounding the table in the team room. I want Sergio in Sunday singles. And they kept trying to explain to him, that's not how it works. We just put you out in the third match and whoever's out in the third match goes. And guess what? He got Sergio Garcia and he beat him five and four because he's Anthony Kim and he's amazing. How much better would the Ryder Cup be if the team going into Sunday singles with the final day, they don't just put their names up on the board, but it's a it's kind of like a snake draft. They say, I want, I don't know, DJ's playing the best right now. I want DJ against John Rahm. And then Europe gets to counter with, I want Victor Hovland against Patrick Cantlay or whatever it is. Like, how much better would it be if just a little more drama, if it wasn't just the captains putting out their guys in order, but it was kind of this other idea of picking the matchups not just placing your guy in a match number oh i love that and you know take it to another level they should mm. just televise that and you know we, yes. we could watch that happening that would be electric you know i think everyone would tune in for 15 or 20 minutes of you know steve stricker and patty harrington kind of going at it on a sneak draft kind of like nba draft uh exactly. team room edition of of the Ryder cup I, I love that idea anything to make this a little more interesting um, especially something like that, which isn't normally interesting. I love that idea, Brent. Let's make that happen. All right. Well, I, like, I mean, I don't have any pull. I don't know if you do, but <laughs> anyone, I, I, I am not a, I am not a person who needs credit for my ideas. I mean, if someone takes them and I don't get credit, I'll complain afterwards, but I just want it out there. I just, uh, I just want to see it happening. So please spread the gospel and uh, maybe one day uh, we'll, we'll get to see it when it's John Rahm or Rory McIlroy captaining in Europe in like uh, 30 years time. Uh, Steven, thanks so much for the chat this morning. Really, really appreciate it, bud. Uh, thanks, Brent. Enjoy the rest of the Ryder Cup. Oh, I will. Impo- literally impossibly impossible not to. Uh, Stephen Hennessy, uh, Golf Digest. Uh, there, there he goes. Uh, love, love, love uh, his, his takes there. And uh, hey, this guy's uh, this guy's made a little money gambling on golf this year. So you might want to uh, check out what he's looking at. That Xander Shoffley plus five hundred to um, get all five points is uh, very, very interesting. I love that idea of the Ryder Cup. How electric would it be if it's Bryson DeChambeau strutting to the podium? and grabbing it and saying, I want Rory McIlroy. I want him in the third singles match on Sunday. It would be electric. It'd be amazing. There are very few ways to make the Ryder Cup better, but that is, uh, that's one of them there. It has been a blast on Golf Show this year. I know it's just me, Sam McKee, back with me next week. That's going to be our wrap-up show for the season. We want to hear from all you guys next week. Just what were the best memories you had, favorite place you played. Uh, we have loved, honestly, thoroughly loved, loved, loved hearing from you guys on the golf show, on the text line all year long. You make it special. Uh, it's been a blast. Let's hope Europe can mount a comeback this afternoon because I need an entertaining day of Sunday singles. I can't have the Ryder Cup be over at like 11 o'clock tomorrow. I need this thing going deep into my NFL Sunday. Uh, Derek Brandeo, technical producer. Producer, Kyle Norris, helping us put the show together. Most importantly, thank you guys for listening. It's been the golf show on the Sportsnet Radio Network.